Welcome to No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. I am Michael O'Brien from the Chicago Sun-Times. As always, here with Joe Hendrickson from the City Suburban Hoops Report. This is episode 52. Joe and I have watched a lot of basketball over the last week. We're a day late because of all of it, and I'm sitting here with a tie on, all dressed up, Joe, because I have to go be on TV. Special night. Uh, the night we're doing this is Mayor's Brother Rice, um, the... Uh... It really is a great showdown. Uh, I mean, already sold the, out. <laughs> this will be a day after yeah. people will be listening to this, but uh, it's a pretty special, unique night in high school basketball, I think. So it's a. I, I'm uncomfortable. I don't like dressing up, and I have to get on the road because even though I only live like eight, nine miles from Brother Rice, it's going to take me probably almost two hours to get there. It's uh, <laughs> they make me go straight down Western from where I live. There's no point in going east over to the highway to sit there. So it's it's really a miserable. Uh, trip but let's get going because I gotta get going so let's start out with uh, just one question I didn't ask for him on Twitter this week sorry guys because I wasn't sure exactly when we were gonna do this and I knew we had to be kind of quick so we did get one though Patrick Devitt who we hear from a lot uh, asked some questions so let's start it up he says first question why has the IHSA gone to more and more subsectionals in boys basketball we've seen the opposite in football lately with one through 32 playoff seating in class 7a and 8a why does it seem like the boys hoops tournament is taking two steps back? It's a good question, Mike, because there's actually been a an argument the other way, which is uh, the, the high school coaches, and, and I know this for a fact, in some of these sectionals, it might have been the Elgin one, uh, that, which has subsectionals. Anyway, they have requested the IHSA, please don't put us in a subsectional. Uh, we would rather not have a subsectional. And yet the subsectional was given to them. So, you know, I, I the majority of the high school coaches that are in subsectionals, at least in the north, I can't, you know, I don't talk to any in the south southern part of the state, but I know almost all of them would prefer just to seed the thing out and do some traveling. Yeah, we've got what is it in four A? We've got Elgin as a subsectional, Ottawa, and um. Yeah, in Ottawa, there's clearly, you can see why. Right, uh, the, but the other one doesn't make a whole lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, for, for those who don't know, the other one, it's, it's travel. You've got schools like, in the Quad Cities, you've got schools in the south suburbs, like Bradley, and then you've got schools all the way down by St. Louis and further south. So the thing's spread out all over. I think Quincy's in there. It's basically a grab bag of the rest of the state. So yeah. they, they've split it up. But and then three, you got the Benton sectional, Effingham sectional, Plano sectional, Genoa, Kingston, Peoria, all with sub, I mean, and with subsectionals. So the majority of them in three A are now subsectionals. Yeah, and that's the that's the big difference. Um, and again, it is, it's because of geographic stuff. But it, it seems kind of weird, especially the Plano one to me, because they're all Chicago suburbs. And the Genoa Kingston one is, I mean, I, I mean, there's. I don't know. It's very similar to the Elgin one. So it's, yeah, you get up in the northern part of the state. I don't think it's that, you know, I get why they do it in the southern part of the state because there's anywhere from two to three hours sometimes and even more sometimes. But I, I just up here, especially this goes back a long way, Mike, with with listening to what high school coaches want and ignoring it. Yeah, it's... I, 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 four classes. Uh <laughs> 
it, it, I just don't get why the just the turn a blind eye to what the coaches who are participating in it prefer, and that's just kind of been the mantra. And it does have a major effect uh, on the. Oh, it's it's huge. Yeah, huge. So it's definitely worth discussing. Uh, we'll get into that more, you know, when we get to that time. Uh, Patrick has two more questions. Second question: Would you like to see the IHSA have the high school coaches enter the scores? slash stats on the IHSA website for a public viewing during the season. Would this help for regional sectionals to get more accurate rankings? The IHSA can compile the weekly info for football. I can't see why they couldn't do this for basketball. I don't think it does a whole lot for the sectional seating because the sectional seating, the coaches do have to enter their notes and their records and who they played and who they've beaten. But I just think it improves the overall interest and well, it helps us people like us for sure. And I, I don't. I would love for it to happen. I, I don't foresee it happening. But I, I just think it generates a lot more. I got people always asking me because now in the newspapers we don't have standings that we've had, you know, decades ago that kind of show everything, and and that's missed. I mean, people like to see what conference standings are, who's where the where they fall in the all of that, and you can't. It's hard to find. Yeah, I'll go further than that. It's ridiculous that they don't do it. It's a complete failure, and I'm not sure why they exist as an organization if they don't do it. Imagine if Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NCAA, any organization that runs a sport didn't put out that sport's schedule and the standings. Why why do we have the IHSA? They're supposed to be this organizing body, so they're just going to show up for the playoffs They do it for football, which sets the precedent. The IHSAA in Indiana does it for basketball and football. Most other states do it for basketball and football. As Joe just said, basically they are doing it, but just too late. You know, since it's available for everyone, it's completely ridiculous. I'm a member of the IHSA's media advisory committee. They get a bunch of media people from around the state in. We have a meeting once a year, and I've been on it two years now. It's the first thing I always mention. Um, yeah, it, it has to be done. It's, it would be good for the IHSA. It's good for the sport. It's good for everything. I mean, That's the biggest thing right there. Yeah. It's, just, it's good. It, as, as much luster has been lost over these years of the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years with high school basketball. I mean, do something that's positive and that enhances the experience and, and, and in the identity of, of high school basketball in Illinois. And that's an really an easy one if, if I mean, it takes a little bit of manpower and some and that's about it um, I, once they set it up you just tell these coaches or ad's that game didn't happen until you put it in here right and, and that's it they'll put it in i mean their argument for football will be because it's all based on it, it's once a week it's nine games and it's all based on their playoff points and and for playoff projections and all that but uh, you know, that that doesn't have a bearing so much with the seeding because coaches are forced to do it for the sectional seeds. But it is just what we just said for all these reasons. Uh, pretty, I mean, just obvious that this is what should happen. Next up, final question. Can we get a quick ranking of the 3A and 4A sectionals from 1 to 8 based on strength of teams in the sectional? Uh, I didn't go through this, Joe. Uh, I don't know if you did. No, I mean, I didn't do one through eight. But I think, I mean, I I do think in four, I think Thornwood is the best sectional. It's the deepest. And it's got the number one team in Illinois and and Simeon. And then I think because of some emergence of some teams, Mike, I think the Proviso East sectional is a little better than I I mean, St. Patrick is good. 
they have arrived as a, as a legitimate threat in that sectional, and that's pumped some life into that Proviso East sectional, which also includes uh, Curie and Young and Kenwood. And then I got Waukegan as the third best sectional and followed by Hinsdale Central. So those are the four uh, sectionals. I didn't go all the way through eight in, in 4A. Wow, so yeah, that's interesting. You think that Thornwood is better than um I just think the depth. The East. Huh. I mean, I think the depth is... Uh, I mean, you, you look at the, you know, 5 through 8, 5 through 12, I, I just think there's a significant difference. I mean, significance is probably not the best word. I, I just think there's a... More depth in that sectional. Plus, you got the best team in Illinois. Yeah, I haven't looked at it super closely. I guess I know you went through the things. So you've probably looked at it closer, but yeah, I'm a little surprised by that. Um, interesting. All right. Yeah, well, I mean, and you've got some unbeat. I mean, you got Marist. I mean, we'll find out how good they are. I mean, Thornton, HF, Bloom, Brother Rice, um, Stag, TF. Uh, is TF North? Yeah, TF North. I mean, it's. And Marion Catholic. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I just think the prize of East one runs out of some pop after about. Well, yeah, we, there are some teams there that have really disappointed, like Joe's and RB and Oak Park right. pretty much. I mean, yeah, some, I mean, yeah, De La Salle's falling off the way. I mean, it's just, uh, once you get past those top four, I mean, I don't know who, I don't even know who the fit. Well, Oak Park's, you know, one, two, three, four, five. I think I got five teams, and then it's. I don't know. After that, yeah, they are. Da- you know, I mean, Proviso East. I saw them almost beat Fenwick at Fenwick, but they don't. They have not, obviously not had a good year. You know, Lincoln Park showed how dangerous they are, but they're not consistent. You know, at Hinsdale Central, but I mean, yeah, it's huh, interesting. All right, let's uh, move on here to our two takes. Um, you want to start it out, Joe? Yeah, I'm at, Mike. Uh, my first one is I, it's a little bit. Do we focus so much? My two takes is that we focus so much on players and teams. Uh, I have gone off a little bit different path in this episode, and I the first one is a little bit more philosophical. Uh, there's been a new fad, a new uh, a new wave and style of basketball, particularly on the defensive end. That is becoming more and more common, and that's the one-two-two zone, the ball, particularly the ball press, one-two-two ball press defense that really Lincoln Lincoln High School down in Central Illinois made so recognizable decades ago, and has thrived with it for I mean I don't know it's been thirty plus years, and no matter who's turned in and ran it, coming into the it's a pretty cool idea that whoever comes in to coach at Lincoln is kind of just kept that going and but the belief is that it can even the playing field between the very quick athletic teams and those that you know try to slow those teams down and and those are the slower less athletic teams that are trying to slow those teams down you know paul harris of highland park who i think does a terrific job with with minimal uh pieces up there uh was one coach in the chicago area who has done a fantastic job with this I know coaches have gotten together in the off season and kind of picked other coaches that have done it their brain, and but so you know Highland Park was one coach in the Chicago area who's done a f- fantastic job. Paul Harris, Vince Duran at York uh, did it and and succeeded last year, and others have added it with regularity. This year, you can see the dividends being paid when you watch Wheaton South. Coach Mike Healy, Mike Healy is 
implemented it, and and here they sit as one of the biggest surprises in the state at 19 and one, and and a big part of it is that defense because they don't have these athletic pieces across the board on this roster. They are short. They are small. They don't have any size. Uh, they're not overly athletic or quick. But my take on this is why it's so effective. And the reason why this one-two-two ball press, some who trap a ton out of it, Mike, and some who trap just occasionally, depending on the opponent, is so effective, is it's because what they're playing against today, which are fundamentally unsound players, unskilled players who either A, are incapable of making good decisions with the basketball, particularly passing the ball. So few players now are skilled in terms of you know dribble penetration, making the correct pass, reading and understanding what they're up against. And then B, if and when they do, they can't make consistent perimeter jumpers to beat the zone. So this all has lends is lending itself to making this zone defense even more effective and leveling the playing field in a lot of circumstances, a lot of these teams that, oh, wow, where'd they come from? Or, wow, they're, they're surprised. You think about York last year and what they, the run they went on, and, and now we see Wheaton South. A lot of it is because of this system and style that's being played. Yeah, my first take is uh, Wheaton South as well. I, I think, you know, Joe talks about the defense, and to me, their biggest – skill is very it's a common thing and a lot of teams if you look at the roster the, the, the rankings this week now that we've kind of figured out who's who and it's just taking care of the ball I mean I've gone back and I've looked for a season through all of my stats and except for who scores the most points whoever has the least amount of turnovers is the most predictive stat of who's going to win a high school basketball game whether that's one team had eight and one only had four or one had 32 and one had 24. If you hold on to the basketball and play that defense, you're going to win. And it doesn't so much matter, especially in high school basketball. If you have a team of five division one recruits or not, the difference for Wheaton South, I think what we didn't know about them going into the season was Dylan Durrett and the season that that senior is having. I mean, just, if you just look at this weekend, 19 against Glenbard East, 24 against Rockford Auburn, 15 in the title game against Bloomington, a big double-double, 21 points, 11 rebounds against Homewood Flossmoor. That's all-area-level production from Dylan Durrett. When you have an all-area player, you play defense, like Joe talked about, and you're not turning the ball over, you got a team that's going to be 19-1, and and Wheaton South, nobody can discount it at this point. They got wins over Naperville North, Zion Benton, North Lawndale, Homewood Flossmoor, and Bloomington. That's not a fluke. A lot of people on the comments thread and the rankings, and a lot of people I talk to, nobody really wants to believe in Wheaton South. But they take, they take care of the ball. They have an all-area player, possibly, in Dylan Durrett, and they play great defense. And I, I think it's time. I think they deserve these two takes. They deserve the appreciation because they really were ignored for, for a long time. And I even got another take. <laughs> we're not done talking to Wheaton South quite yet. Uh, I, mean, I might get to that in a second, but you're right. Dylan Durrett, I was at the home at Flossmoor game, and he adds an element that's different uh, than than anything else on that team, and that's a little sense of that. I, I said they're not real athletic. Well, he is. They don't have much size. He provides a little bit of it at 6'3". And he just has come out of nowhere. I mean, that's all you can say about it. He has been this highly productive, the best player on a ranked team that's 19-1. and one. 
uh, to your point. And my, my next take, you know, there are some terrific, this is why I was talking about earlier. Again, I'm getting away from the players. I'm getting away from the specific teams. This one's on the coaching in, in, in the area. And there have been some terrific coaching jobs from Larry Thompson, the job he's done and, and, and just putting Joya Central on the map. Chris Perkins at, at Willowbrook, who I wrote about in a piece that's online right now. They, they are 16-1. and one. Uh, Bob Wilowski at, at Fremd, obviously they're unbeaten. Mike Bailey has, has done a terrific job in, at St. Pat's with what he has taken the personnel and what he's done with and kind of letting them go a little bit and get out and play athletically. Uh, Bobby Frazier, Brother Rice, who I think <clears throat> has some limited pieces there, and he's sitting at 15-3. and three. But back to Wheaton South, Mike Keeley, my midseason coach of the year. They, they run their motion. Uh, their, their stuff, they run with their motion so well. Yes, they are patient with their offensive scheme, but there is precision with everything they do, with their cuts, their passing. He really has this team playing with a purpose on so many possessions. It's not just here and there. It's just every possession, there seems to be a purpose, and there's clearly some terrific chemistry, which we haven't talked about with this team, that's been built with this group and a a belief that's instilled in them. I know winning breeds a lot of that chemistry and and belief, but it's certainly been a process up to this point. And it's not silly anymore to think what this group could do going forward because of all of these things we've talked about. Uh, The camaraderie and the chemistry on this group, you can can see it. I've seen them now three times. Uh, it, it, It just jumps out at you. And their their patience, their the, the sharing of the ball, their roles, what they know, what they need to do within that role. And a lot of it goes to where it comes from as the coach and, and Mike Keeley, who I think has done just a phenomenal job in getting Wheaton South to the point where they're at right now. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of it's Drew Healy. You know, I only saw Wheaton South once this year, but it was funny. I was doing the interviews afterwards and uh, Drew Healy, who's the uh, senior point guard, He's the son of Mike Healy. He was even sort of running the interviews <laughs> for the other team. He was like, all right, it's time to go. Th- that team knows who's in charge on the court, and it is the coach's son. His other son, Jake Healy, plays as well. So there- there's an awful lot of smarts on that court and basketball know-how. And uh, I-, I think it's important to point out, too, the reason we're focusing on Wheaton South here, Joe and I didn't even really plan it at all, and maybe <laughs> not Fremd. You know, who also who's unbeaten and maybe not Geneva, who's unbeaten. And you could say a lot of similar things, I think, about those teams is mm-hmm. Wheaton South has proven it with their schedule. Fremd and Geneva are beaten, but they do not have the quality of wins. That no, Wheaton, Wheaton South, South went on down. I mean, I know people don't take much stock into this. Going on the road in the holidays is is different than playing in your comfort zone. Uh, of tournaments you've been going to over and over and you know and, and and the level of play I went down there specifically to see them play North Lawndale and they they pretty much took care of North Lawndale pretty easily uh, and I mean it's not a you know it's not a Pontiac or a Proviso West but it's it's in that next batch of really strong play uh, of teams and and that's an impressive to go down there and get four wins and then obviously, I'm not a huge fan of the Martin Luther King tournaments, but it is a grind, and it, it, and a lot of it. You ask a coach, 
a lot of this past weekend is about some mental toughness. And when your legs are tired and fighting through some things, sometimes I don't think you get a good read on, on some of the results over the Martin Luther King weekend. But I do know the ones that do win it says a lot about that team. And, and to, again, to your point again, what Wheaton South did this weekend is, is beat some teams on, on short rest and some different circumstances that really did impress. Yeah, that goes right nicely into my second take. Uh, it's on Thornton, a team I saw twice. You know, as Joe said, it's a challenge. It's Martin Luther King weekend. Thornton played Lincoln Way Central on the 13th. They beat, they slaughtered them by 30 points. That's not a bad team, a well-coached team. Then they went in a big hyped showdown at TF North against Curie. Big crowd, really great event. One of the best events I've been at maybe in the last two years. It was just great to see so many city basketball fans and CPS players. Manny Patterson was there and coaches. You know, Tyrone Slaughter was there. Lou Adams was there. And the South Suburban basketball community all together. You know, no metal detectors. Nobody worried about violence. Not security everywhere. It was just a lot of people that love basketball from the city and the south suburbs that packed that gym at TF North. Kind of an expensive ticket, too, at 10 bucks. And for Lonzo Virgin Thornton, this was their big game. This was the game to prove to everybody, you know, what they were. For Lonzo Virgin, this was the first real big showcase he's had in front of the area. And Curie just came out. And they were everything we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. They were everything they were earlier in the week at Kenwood. They shot so well and then used their size to tremendous advantage that it would have been very easy, I think, for Thornton to just let it go like Kenwood did and sort of just give up. And, you know, the score doesn't look great. It was a 69-55 to win for Curie. But Thornton never gave it up they made a couple little runs they showed poise you know and that takes a lot it was the second game in two days but they kind of got crushed then they come back on Sunday they're at home and they're against Marion Catholic a lot of teams in that situation third game in three nights third tough game they just kind of had their spirits crushed a little bit but that team came out and they showed to me why I think they're going to be the team playing Simeon in that sectional final they just dominated Marion Catholic from the tip. Alonzo Verge almost had a triple-double, but he really wasn't the big offensive force in the first half. You know, that was Orlando Allen, who I know Joe's a fan of. He's a junior, very athletic. He just gets a ton done, not a lot of negatives with him. And then I think it's important to talk about some other names because Thornton's a team that was ranked highly, but we didn't know a lot about them. Well, we do now. John White is another player. He's 6'3". He's a junior. He's a very effective high school post presence. He's been building every game. Every time I saw them, he's gotten better. Same thing for Christian Anderson. He's a scoring guard for them. Hits the three very, very well. Can handle the ball. They've got a really promising um, guard in Rashawn Robinson. He comes in kind of when uh, Ty Streets gets a little fed up with something Alonzo Verge did. And he kind of cued really this dominant second quarter against Marion Catholic. He can shoot the ball very well. He can beat players off the dribble. And I mean, just to see Thornton pick apart that Marion Catholic team, which still has a lot of size and some good pieces really showed me a lot. And it showed a lot about kind of the intestinal fortitude of that team that they were able to come back and get that big third win. Yeah. Another reason why I have that sectional as, you know, as, as this best, because, you know, you got another team like Thornton in that sectional. It's, um, I think that I, 
Did I say that's a Thornwood? Yeah, it's a Thornwood, that sectional. Um, you know, Mike, we had a different format today. It's going to be a little shorter, quicker, we think, and <laughs> than a couple of past podcasts. A couple of things I want to just bring up. We're really just doing our two takes, and we don't really have a segment, per se, for this, for this episode. But uh, just a couple of things I wanted to point out. Uh, Willowbrook. I, I did write about it, as I said online, but they are 16 and one, and I, I, I took in their one loss, so I'll stay away from your, your your team, Coach Perkins. But you know, Willowbrook basketball. If you looked up the history of Willowbrook basketball, it is abysmal, and going back a long way. I, I, I in my research for that story, I think I found two 20 win seasons in the last 50 years, or in the school's existence. Uh, one was Alonzo Verge's 21 win two years ago. And I can't remember the other one. It was a long, long time ago, decades ago. And you got a lot of two wins and three wins and oh, and 27s. And it is really incredible to see how abysmal the basketball records are at Willowbrook. And for this team to be 16 and one, I mean, we haven't talked about Willowbrook really at all. I don't believe, and they're in first place in their league, and I, I, I just and they're young, Mike. I mean, Ethan Schumer's a six six junior. He's averaging seventeen and ten. Uh, last year, Coach Perkins brought up he had four sophomores and a freshman on varsity, and now you've got obviously a, a junior dominated team with a sophomore, and here they are going. And, and, and what really kind of piqued my interest is they beat a very strong United Township team. That was 17 and two out in Sterling this past weekend. So Willowbrook was just the team um, I, I kind of wanted to point out. And and St. Patrick with a big win beating Orr. I mean I I know some people uh, have questioned how good St. Patrick is. I once I saw them over the holidays, I no longer question that. I had a couple of coaches who went and watched and scouted St. Patrick and Orr and called me following the Orr game and were just like. Joe, this team's legit. I said, yeah, I know. Uh, but they came and had a big weekend, beating Bennett Academy uh, on Friday night and then taking care of Orr. Yeah, nice win. I mean, and for those who don't know, that game was at a – boy, what is it called now? Oh, Quest. Quest. Yeah, it used to be Attack on the west side. It's, it's an extremely um, CPS venue for sure. This was a, technically a neutral site, but Orr would definitely be more at home over there so it's practically a big road win and or its only loss to that point was at Whitney Young at the buzzer at the buzzer yeah by one or two points so it was not didn't they just beat or they gave or their biggest loss of the season and or is a tested team you know has been going through that red west you know and not yeah they were teams. they were off their big win over North Lawndale yeah so that that's definitely that's another one too I think or played four games in five days that was their fourth game in fifth days. So we, we did see a lot of that over the, the weekend. Joe's right. Um, I think the next thing we should, it's sort of a weird uh, topic, uh, I'm sure, but I have questions about Morgan Park. Um, I, I watched them again this week. They're, they're be- you know how many ranked teams? Just off the top of your head, how many ranked teams do you think Morgan Park has beaten? One. Yeah. Uplift. The, the two-point win over Uplift at uh, Proviso West. And I'm just wondering, you know, I'm doing the rankings and they, they fell down to sixth two weeks, th- two weeks ago. They lost in Baltimore. I heard they were really bothered by the shot clock 
or, or that influenced the fourth quarter. They were up by, I think, 17 points heading into the fourth quarter in Baltimore and then lost that game. Uh, they tried to kill some clock, but that's, you know, difficult <laughs> with the shot clock. So that, that changed things a little bit. But I'm just a little worried about – and obviously I think they're definitely a top-10 team, that kind of thing. I just wonder if they really are an elite team in our area and if they really are – because I think both of us would consider them maybe the 3A state title favorite. I, I've i had questions. You know I've had questions about them all year. And I, you know, kind of poking and prodding. But I keep saying, well, it doesn't matter. They're 3A. I, I still kind of – I looked at their sectional again. I looked at their road again. I'm like, okay, well, I, I, no matter what, I can't see them losing. I, I really can't. Um, but I just think – and I keep – I've repeated this. I don't – no, on the podcast. I know I've said this either on the podcast or a radio show or something I've done. This Morgan Park team, I, I it's so different, Mike, than other all these since Nick Irvin's gotten at Morgan Park, they've been really stinking good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> at an extremely high level, and, and that's included state championships and runs to Peoria and all that. But it's always been, and I'm not taking anything away from Nick Irvin because I've we've we have credited Nick Irvin for how hard they play, but they have had tons of talent, and that I just don't see the talent that I've seen in past Morgan Park teams. I think it's very evident and clear because of what we've seen in the past, and 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 I've talked about those combination of guys that they've always had, those running mates, and. From from Billy Garrett to Kyle Davis to Marcus Levette and Charlie Moore and Josh Cunningham and who um, uh, I, I just I don't see it with Yadayo and you really don't have that second guy that consistently can go get you a bucket that can consistently I mean the, I saw in the Whitney Young game they attacked Io they they doubled him off the ball screen yeah. they and, and there just was nobody. See, that they, was willing yeah, they didn't have Lamont Johnson in that game, and that's going to be yeah, a problem. Yeah, and, and I like LJ, but, I, I mean, he hasn't become – I mean, he's not – those guys I mentioned earlier, Mike, the Billy Garris, oh, the Kyle yeah. Davis, oh, yeah. the Cunningham's, yeah. the Levesque, the Ch- – those are high-level But he's get, he got the job done against Bogan. He played well, you know, against Simeon. He can do it, you know, at a high school level, be – at least take the pressure off Io, but he's not a dynamic – you know, second yeah, star I, I just think in any way. That, that's the thing that I that jumps out at me is just the overall talent just isn't quite what Morgan we're accustomed to seeing Morgan at Morgan Park. And that's what and see we thought that theoretically this lack of you know perimeter scoring was going to be offset by just how strong they were in the post. Well, the problem is that hasn't happened. The post. Yeah, I mean, I, that players, was my concern. Yeah. I mean, the the productivity has not been there from you know here and there in spurts. Yes, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Aaron cash again, is gone. Uh, he hasn't been there the last two games. So, I'm sorry. What'd you say? Aaron cash hasn't been uh, there the last two games. Well, he hasn't really. No, done. he never, that, that, that highly hyped transfer <laughs> that was, didn't really that was turn one out. hyped up. Uh, that did not, uh, prove to be worth the hype, but, uh, and you look at their sectional, oh, Mike and the road to Peoria. Yeah. I mean, I... that's why I think it's an interesting conversation because, they're no, nothing like they have been the last few years, but even last year's team, you know, they, they stubbed their toe there in Lincoln Way West, but it doesn't even look like there's something. No, I mean, it would I mean, have got, to be Hillcrest, basically. I mean, yeah, you got Bogan, Hyde Park, and St. Rita in the sectional. They're not losing there. And then you've got Hillcrest in the super. 
Um, and I, as I mentioned in last week's podcast, I've seen a lot of the other top three A teams, and they don't do a whole lot for me. So I, you know, we we, we sit here and say this, and I think it's all valid, but it shows you the state of basketball in Illinois right now that this Morgan Park team that clearly isn't as I mean, there's nowhere near as close as last year's team uh, is in a position to be better in the postseason. Yeah, I don't know if you have I mean, my next thing. I wanted. I'm really excited to see Evanston this weekend at Glenbard East. You know, the matchup didn't turn out to be what we wanted necessarily. They're they're going to play Naperville North, um, and the at the Wenside Clyde shootout, but we they just haven't been here. You know, and no, they, it's, it's like you're right. It's, they play Niles North, who's a pretty good team. They're twelve and seven, you know, up and down some talent. That that game's before. Um, I don't know if it's Tuesday or Wednesday, but I think even that one might be closer than people think. That at least that score will tell us something. But yeah, we need to see Evanston because, oh boy, is Curie playing? And I don't know how we haven't really hit that yet. But the the Kenwood destruction at Kenwood and the Thornton destruction, they look amazing. I mean, I, I would not have had a problem putting them at number one right now with the way they're playing. They, they looked that good again. It's like they got their heads screwed on straight. after. Yeah, so, there's wake-up calls, and Pontiac was a wake-up call for Curie. I mean, it was obvious. I mean, it just, you know, they just look. I mean, I had major, all of a sudden, I, I, you talk about doing a 180. I mean, I, I was really concerned and questioning coming yeah. out of Pontiac, and then poof, oh, yeah, I went to that it's... Kenwood game expecting a typical Kenwood-Curie game, and – it was over in well that was as quick as a game i've ever seen over um and they didn't let up but yeah, that, elijah it, joiner it, is just he's taking it he's a serious player of the year contender now he's doing a little bit of everything for that team really getting to the basket which is making a big difference but evanston you're right i mean we, we they've been out of the area they haven't played any really high profile games really since the chicago league classic yeah <laughs> i mean no, that was probably yeah. it and you know neighborville north scuff a bit they have won five or six in a row you know they had a lot of high hopes coming in the season i still think they are going to be a a threat in march so that that's going to be a good one and, and that kind of leads us into this weekend of, of action mike that's pretty good i mean it, it's uh it, it's got some games that are and, and starting with that when sides collide a, a game i know you have a particular interest in and that is joliet west whitney young and I, I think that's the game of the weekend. Yeah, no doubt about it. Everybody's excited about that. Another South Suburbs versus City matchup. It's you know it's a tough week for Young. They have they play Orr on Wednesday at Orr, which is one of their toughest games of the season. It's one of the toughest places for anyone to play. So they've definitely they're not even going to be able to focus on Joliet West, uh, you know, until Thursday. So it's going to be a tough one. I'm wondering. I think it matters a lot more to Joliet West. Oh, for sure. Then I mean, young. I mean, Julia West got that win over at Pontiac. They beat um, Curie. Curie. Yeah. But again, it was, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from the win. I mean, I, it's a win and it's a Curie, but it was the Constellation fifth place game or fifth place bracket. And they need that marquee game where they were develops. We, we, we anticipated developing, developing at Pontiac. It never did. So we're anticipating that being today or this weekend against Whitney young. And, and I just think that you, what you said, it, it would be a boon to their, 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 their psyche and their confidence. 
Uh, not that if they lose this one, they don't feel like they can win a sectional, but I, I just think it kind of really, really intensifies what their potential is if they can go beat a top top ten team out of the public league and and Whitney Young. Yeah, I mean, even I mean, obviously a win would be huge for Joliet, but they they got crushed by the CPS teams at Pontiac, you know, last year. So. And I, I don't know if they really consider that consolation win over Curie. I don't know what – I don't consider it much. I'm really happy consolation basketball is over until the third place games at the state tournament because <laughs> I'm tired of having to write these results in my book and act like they matter. Um, and the other big game at the – well, one of the other games, the one we didn't talk about, Jacobs against Hillcrest. I saw Jacobs I, they, for the yeah, first they, time. And I know they – Mike, they, they – I don't know. I, I, I did not see the game or read your story, and I think you said they had 23 turnovers or something. Yeah. That does not bode well no. <laughs> uh, for a game going up against Hillcrest, which is athletic, quick, uh, which Jacobs does not have. But this is a big moment for Jacobs because they can – that was a tough loss for them conference-wise, Prairie Ridge. But this is the toughest opponent Jacobs will face all year long. And Jacobs is in a very winnable sectional. And they they won a regional last year. They got a lot of guys back. And they obviously Cameron Crutwig. But this is kind of a, a, a serious measuring stick for this Jacobs team this weekend against Hillcrest. Yeah, and it's, it's fairly clear to see. Joe mentioned the 23 turnovers. Listen to this. You want some stats from that Jacobs Prairie Ridge game? By the way, Prairie Ridge... They're a good team. I mean, they're a, a top forty-five. I would say maybe. They, yeah, I think we did mention them last week yeah. as as one of the, in our outside the top twenty-five podcast uh, as being a, a. You talk about another team that's playing that type of defense that I just mentioned in my two takes. Uh, they are, are doing that same type of thing. You've got. Wait, hold on, I'm doing the. Uh, I think I think Cameron Crutwick was nine for ten or ten for eleven from the field. It was in my story. He missed one shot basically. Scored nineteen points, seventeen rebounds. Crutwick is a dominating force. But Jacobs turned the ball over twenty three times. And wait for this one. They shot three for twenty three. From three. From three. At home. First mm-hmm. of all, why in that God's green earth are you taking twenty three three pointers? <laughs> When Cameron Crutwig, eleven touches, <laughs> yeah, is down there. Or eleven, eleven yeah. shots. I mean, and he's yeah. not missing. Now, this at least, at least Jacobs knows how to. They beat, or sorry, Prairie Ridge beat Jacobs twice last year. Prairie Ridge knows how to possibly deny Crutwig the ball. They know what they're dealing with there. Hillcrest isn't going to know what they're dealing with there. They're not going to have a feel for that. So maybe it's going to be easier, I'm saying, to get Crutwig the ball, and they won't have to settle for those threes. If they can get the ball past, you know, Hillcrest, you know, press, that's going to be very difficult for them. But, yeah, Crutwig needs to eat big time in that game. And besides for Isaac Stanback, who's very athletic, you know, there is no one to guard right? Cameron Crutwig. So, yeah, it's going to be a clash of styles, you know, big man versus no big man. It's going to be a really interesting game. A couple other games, Mike. I mean, Waukegan at Stevenson is going to be, I think that's Saturday night, in a key game for a number of reasons. One, conference game. Now, it is now. And also for seeding purposes for the sectional, I saw Waukegan on Saturday night kind of take apart St. Charles East uh, without Carson Newsom. Carson Newsom has a, and I don't, I did not follow up early this week to see uh, what's where that's at, but he was out with a foot injury. They didn't think it was going to be 
serious or long lasting, but I have not heard. So that'll be a good game in the North Suburban. Uh, and then is this the t- is this the week Geneva finally loses? They go to St. Charles East, unbeaten, twenty and zero. St. Charles East. Uh, you know, I talked to Coach Pat Woods, and he's you know leading up to Waukegan game. They had that flu epidemic in St. Charles, and kids were out and not practicing, and you know games were canceled. So it'd be interesting to see how St. Charles East is a week now past all that. But that'll be a, it's always a, a good one when Geneva and St. Charles East have played in recent years. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. If St. Charles East shoots well, yeah, they're one of those teams where it kind of depends on that. Um, a lot of scattered other stuff over at Robert Morris. We got kind of a, a two-game uh, bill that took it on the chin. You know, looking at the preseason, this looked great. But now Kenwood right. against Downers Grove South. Really struggling Downers yeah, South. Yeah, Man. <laughs> Uh, Marion Catholic against Fenwick, which decimated by departures. Yeah, so that that's rough. It could be interesting to see, um, you know, if Marion Catholic can give Fenwick a game, and I don't know about the Downer South Kenwood thing. Both of those teams desperately need a, a nice win, so that'll help. And then I will see if if by the time you're listening to this, right, uh, Maris will either maybe they'll still be unbeaten, and then they will be going following up the Brother Rice Road game with a road game at Bennett on Friday night in a key East Suburban Catholic conference game. And that will be a, that's probably where I'll be Friday night, but that'll be a good one. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely. I'm going to be at the Conant Fremd game. Uh, this one is at Fremd. It's at six o'clock, a nice early start. And I'm excited to see the Fremd kids again. I wish I could see them against a different team, but there aren't a whole lot of teams really worth seeing them against that they play except for Conant. Um, and remember last time, these friend kids think they've got Conan's number, so I'm interested to see if they can pull it out again. Um, Real quick, Mike, uh, our, when we speak in our next podcast, <clears throat> who's left unbeaten? Is 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 friend still unbeaten? Yes. Is Marist still unbeaten? No. Geneva? Yes. Bolingbroke? Yes. Uh, they play. No, no, they go down. Steel, no, they're 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 beating Joyce Central. Steelman beat them. <laughs> and then I think your boys. Well, we'll see. That's that's next Tuesday. Um, well, what, 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 what do you West. think, uh, Maris? Hold on. And then Simeon's undefeated. So I've got Simeon unbeaten still. Yeah. I've got everybody else losing. Oh. I think Marist loses this week. At Bennett, I think. You know what? Right, St. Charles East did not look good the other night, though. So I'm going to go. But they'll be fired up to play an unbeaten team. That's going to be a good one. And, 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 I, and I think Conant gets from this time. But I picked Conant the last time, too. So there you go, friend. Yeah. It's just hard to go unbeaten, man. I mean, it's hard to go unbeaten and – and and if I'm, I know no coach wants to lose, and no fans are. To, I would just hate to be fremed, unbeaten in the sectional, having to beat Kona a third time. <laughs> yeah, that would not be good. You know, I, I think. I mean, this is going to be really old news. You guys are going to know if I'm stupid or not. But I think Maris goes down tonight. Uh, Brother Rice in their own gym, sold out. Good yeah, luck with I mean, that. <laughs> That's not an no, easy. No, I mean that, that that could. Yeah. I, um. It's a, it's a really a really fun. The next seven days of basketball, eight days of basketball are going. I mean, it leads into next week, next Tuesday night. I know we're way ahead of ourselves, but uh, then you got 
Bolingbroke, Joliet West on the same night, I think, as Simeon Morgan Park. So we got a fun eight days. What do I do? I forgot about that. I noticed that back when the schedules came out. Yeah, we, my thing is, and this will feed into your, your, your being okay with going to see Joliet West. We've done Morgan Park see me on a hundred times. I can't. The Chicago Sun Times not covering the Battle of Vincennes. I don't no, know, but I don't think I can get away you, with that. You've done the Battle of Vincennes over and over. I think it's time you 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 you, you pull out your Joliet Wessel shirt and go out there and <laughs> I. I I don't know. That's a huge game. I'm Bolingbroke's undefeated. What time is it at? Do we know? Yeah. I could maybe get there for both if yeah, Simeon good, good. plays it at five. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, Irvin, second, you need to show half. up on time to Simeon. <laughs> if they tipped off at five, I'm sure the Bolingbroke is seven to seven. You got yeah. – we can talk to – Nick Gross into Nick 40 just, and move it move to 8 p.m. Nick needs to show up on time <laughs> to Simeon. That, then, I'll, then I'll be set. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, last thing as we go here. Kind of a fun little intro. I didn't get to put it in the story, but I was talking to Evan Gilliard after the uh, win over Fenwick. Um, I think he, should, he mentioned it before, but I think he deserves a lot of credit for this undefeated team because he's the senior star that is the leader, unquestioned leader of that team. He's the reason they have such good chemistry. Everything's going so well. I asked him, um, I don't think there's anybody else there. I was just talking to him. I asked him, you know, out of the, you've seen so many leaders, so many high major seniors come and go in your four years at Simeon. What did you learn to do, not to do, who to emulate, who not to emulate, you know, when you came into this season, how are you going to run this team? And, Evan smiled and he mentioned that he learned a lot and he tried to emulate Kendall Pollard and Jabari Parker. And I think it's interesting kind of just who was left out, (laughs) how many years there were in between Kendall Pollard and Jabari Parker. And, you know, Evan is not the type to say bad about anybody to do that kind of thing. But um, there was a whole lot in that absence in those years in between um, all those. And I think it says a lot about this current Simeon team and just kind of how far they could go this year. But uh, it's a good thing you brought Simeon up. It's been like two, three podcasts. We haven't talked about the number one team. So yeah, <laughs> we had to get had to get it in there. But um, anyway, thanks everybody for listening. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to go sit on Western Avenue for an hour and a half. We'll uh, be back next week. Thank you.